0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Find and Follow podcast, where we are all about helping you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. Craig, Kyle, and Scott here uh, after a, a week off, so if you're a regular listener, we're back at it. Welcome aboard. Uh, welcome aboard. Yes. All aboard. All aboard. Are
1: we on a train or a cruise ship? Cruise ship. ship oh, for sure.
0: either one. Wherever you want to go today. I don't think I've ever been on a
1: train. No, that's true. That's false. I, I lied. I just lied. I apologize. Please forgive me. Okay. Forgiven. I've been on a train.
0: I've been on a train, never been on a cruise ship. Craig's a cruiser. I've never been on a cruise Uh, ship. My wife keeps trying to talk me into cruising, and I'm like, yeah. I dragged my feet the first time.
2: I had an opportunity to go on a cruise, and it was all paid for, so it was free, and I still didn't (laughs) want to
0: go. That was a hard choice.
2: (laughs) I know, but I didn't want to go, because I just thought it was dumb, and I would be bored, and it's like, why would I want to do that? But I went, and liked it so much, we've gone four more times since.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I... Anyways, all-inclusives, I would probably do one of those. That seems more of my jam. Yeah, well, that's good, too. I've never done one of those.
2: Basically, a cruise ship is an all-inclusive on the water.
1: Where you're trapped. That's my thing. (laughs) The trap. (laughs) I could go wear an all-inclusive where I can go and do whatever I want whenever I want, or you could do the same thing on a boat where you're stuck in the middle of the ocean. It breaks down, and there's people that are sick. I'm going to go where my feet are on the ground. 6,000 people, out drift at sea. All you got is white bread? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> the horror stories are the ones that get me. The three horror stories yeah. that are out there, uh-huh. where, like of we the have trillions of people we have <laughs> dismissed everything. Yeah.
2: So because there are occasionally are plane crashes, you don't fly either. No, I fly. Well, it's, it's the same thing to same.
1: get into a place, right? Anyway,
0: Craig, you are correct so far. The Zags are two for uh, oh, you know, two uh, for two.
2: I was watching the game other night. Right, right now,
0: we're all correct because <laughs> we <laughs> all picked them to keep going. I know, but I want Craig okay. really to be correct. So if you're in on college basketball. The brackets have been just, just torch them. The number ones have lost. Like It's just chaos out there, which is why it's called March Madness, which is makes it, makes it interesting. Yeah, if every of the good teams and the predictable teams won, it, it would get kind of boring if it was a blowout.
1: Question, when are you posting this? Are we, Is this on game day? On our nor- we're filming today on oh, Wednesday. This a good Normally question. we film on Thursday. Thursday is Zags game day in the Sweet 16. Yeah. Does it matter? Are you going to make some sort of? No, prediction? I'm just asking, like, oh, they're doing great. People listen Thursday night and they have maybe won three in a row. Could be. They listen Friday. Yeah. They're going to listen later
0: next week as they get past did you the see, Elite Eight.
1: Did you see the. You uh, still have
0: them? Now that we have a. <sighs> this is where I was headed. Yes. We've got a clearer picture. They're playing UCLA, which is tomorrow night, Thursday, the 23rd. 645. Who do you you got them winning that game? I hope
1: so. It's going to be a tough game. The UCLA looks good. I think they're beatable. This Zag
0: Core has beat the UCLA core already. Yeah. It was in 2021, November 2021, they beat them in Las Vegas, same arena. Uh Timmy's on the team, you know, we can go through the details. Yeah. And they beat them in 21 uh with the Jalen Sugg yeah, shot. That's last the UCLA minute. team. So uh, those some of those people have moved on, but The core guys are still the core guys, so they have played each other.
1: Fun fact, in the last Zags win, did you see that garbage time? The guy shot a three-point for no reason. Did you know? That the spread was four oh, and a half points. No, people people were losing. People their lost money. their money because oh, a guy no took a three pointer for no reason at right. the end of time and made it. And I so, wonder. if you picked the point spread, you lost money off that shot. That's why you shouldn't be a degenerate don't, gambler. Yeah, don't and He gamble. was, he was more sports. than half court. No, he was he was inside was, half court. It was, yeah, three, it was a deep three, but sp- it was pointless. Like you could see the coach. Even they painted the coach, and the coach was like, "You're Dude. just being um, that guy." Yeah. It, we it already. Was
0: annoying. You're not going to win. You just don't take the shot. He, like, he drained it though.
1: Because like yeah, uh, it you it go back fabulous. to the replay, Hickman's already giving a guy a hug on the court. They're already high fiving, and the guy just took a shot for no reason. And it's hilarious to me that the point spread was four and a half. So if you you're you're watching it, you're like, I just won money at point seven seconds. The guy takes a shot to lose you your money. <laughs> Once
2: again, March Madness.
0: Yeah, makes and you mad. Don't
1: be a gambler of sports. I mean, in like. A crazy
0: way. We may I was have, gonna say as we, we have a bracket at the office. We may have put a couple bucks on a bracket pool, but that's different than you're betting games in my book. So different. So different. People mm-hmm. who are betting games like that and, and betting the spread are real if you don't know the spread means you can you can pick a team and if they're given four and a half points, they can still technically lose the game, but then you could win if they cover the points. So if the Zags uh you know, had a four and a half point.
1: You could, you get so Zags would have had to win by five or more, and you could if you pick the spread, and they they won by four. Yep, and with a last minute three point shot that meant nothing to the outcome of the game. But if you bet, I just yeah. think it's a So you can pick the losing team and take
0: the points and still win, even if though they lose the game. Anyways, we're deep into gambling. I don't know what that has to do with following Jesus, but back to Zags, I think they win tomorrow. I mean, that's what I said. Did you put money on it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, because I just gave a lecture about not gambling. Oh uh, depends on who's asking. <laughs> Anyways, so that's fun. Uh hopefully we have another exciting weekend of basketball. We had a White had a basketball tournament last weekend, and I didn't really put the dates together when they said, Hey, we're this tournament and it's these dates. I didn't realize it was the first and second round. March, <laughs> March Madness. March Madness. So it was four games in twenty-four hours. It was super fun. So we had basketball and basketball and basketball on basketball for last last weekend, which is great. I love it. We love it. So find and follow podcast. Uh, we're we're jumping in here to um, just these things from from Jesus that are pretty meaty and relevant. I mean, I love it when we are talking about stuff that just feels feels like Jesus could show up and speak this today, and it would just just as well-received and just as much rejected by people and just as helpful and relevant. Um, I love that it because it's how we're built. It's how we're designed by God, and it transcends all times and cultures. I've just heard from a couple of people recently um, that they've just really enjoyed the podcast episodes the last few weeks. We we're talking about divorce and marriage and what that looks like and just who's the greatest in conflict and sin. Um, so let's not screw it up today. <laughs> A lot of pressure. Uh, cousin Drew, he sent me a text. Oh, really? Yeah, he li- he lives in Arizona. Shout out to Drew if you're listening. Um, he's like, man, the podcast has been real good lately. So,
2: so he listens pretty regularly. I guess to know that it's better lately than it has been. <laughs> you didn't mess that <laughs> well, one. Well, it's, no, it's just good been doing.
0: good. I don't. It doesn't mean it's been bad. Is that no better? Inferred? I said okay. I don't know. It's
2: been good lately. It means it's better. Yeah. A
0: couple other people. Yeah. All right. Right. So. If it has been good and helpful, man, share it along with somebody. That helps get the, the algorithm going, I guess. Helps people to, who are searching a podcast, maybe a stranger who's just like, I don't know, I need new podcasts. And they'll find a podcast about Jesus and it'll help them find and follow him. So, uh, Jesus, we're jumping in here, um, kind of where we left off. Uh, another awesome teaching that is, is meaty. Uh, meaty. I think so. What do you mean when you say meaty? There's a lot to it. Okay, kind of to digest and chew through. It's kind of the analogy of Not like eating a steak versus a you salad. Know, yeah, a salad or drinking a smoothie. Smoothies kind of like yeah, meaty is, takes a little more effort okay. and work to get through. It's very meaty. Mm-hmm. But Jesus has, I think, this incredible question coming his way um, from a young guy who says, "Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life?" Which I think is a great question.
2: It's a great question,
0: like curious about eternal life, focused in on that. There's a lot of questions young people can be asking.
2: There's two things that jump out at me on just this question, which I talk about relevance. I think it's relevant today as much as it ever has been. And that is, number one, in people's hearts, they, there is this desire, this hard wiring to want to live forever. People mm-hmm. are looking for, you know, ways to extend their life to to get eternal life. I mean, how, it takes lots of different forms, but there's some something in... Uh, somebody said it this way once, that eternity is... Well, in fact, I think that's a Bible verse. Eternity is in their hearts. I think, <laughs> I, think I
0: just... Somebody, somebody said it. Somebody it'll, said it. It'll click here in a second. Who said that?
2: Well, it dawned on me that's actually in the Scripture. <laughs> eternity, God has put eternity in people's hearts. So that's what I'm saying here. Yeah, you know, he He's motivated to get eternal life. But then the other thing that stands out to me again very relevant today, he thinks that in order to get it, you have to do something. What yeah, good deed must I do? It's a
1: very specific question that he's asking, right? It's not just like, hey, what you know, how do, how does this happen? What is this, right? Like he really in asking the question shows kind of his his hand of like his assumptions of what this looks like in it. So it means Okay, so there is, one, I believe that there's eternity. Like, Craig, to your point, like, there's something that I know there's more to this life. I know there's more to this existence that, you know, it's not just, you know, here and today. And there's a bigger, there's, again, I believe in in a heaven or a hell or an eternity or, a you know, cosmic being, whatever. There's something there that he's, he's getting at. One, and then two, there's like, there's something I got to do to get it. Yep. And he says it specifically, what good deed, so... He's already making a bunch of assumptions in his question. What good things, what good actions do I have to do to get to it? So even in his questions, he's making quite a few assumptions, which I think is why Jesus backs him up a little bit and clarifies with what he does. And by the
2: way, a lot of the religions and cults of the world um, actually are an expression of the answer to this question. I'm glad you asked what good deed you must do, and here's a list of them. And so a whole religion, a whole ideology... Uh, in some cases just a philosophy that people buy into revolve around an answer to this question hey, these are the things that you need to do, believe this, do this act this way, embrace this, whatever I, shape and form it takes.
1: I might even go out on a limb and say every religion
2: I almost said that, Yeah. but since you're out there on the limb, okay. I'll come join okay. you <laughs> I, See, I think this, it's this
1: philosophy or religion or whatever you want to call it, this belief and you might not call it eternal life, maybe it's utopia, or euphoria, or some sort of experience, or feeling, or emotion, there's something there that I'm trying to attain that's bigger than just me, or my physical being, or again, maybe not even, you wouldn't even put those words to it, but um, what do I gotta do to get that? And then religion, or philosophy, or somebody would come in and say, okay, here's what you gotta do. This religion would say, say these things, do these things, live this way, say these prayers, believe this way, and that's what you have to do to achieve Again, they, I think there's different labels for it, but utopia, euphoria, you know, eternal life, nirvana, nirvana, all those kind of things. I would say that's basically the context of every religion. Mm. Ecclesiastes 3.11 is what you oh, were quoting. Oh, thank you for looking it up.
0: Yeah, the section which most people are familiar with, there's a time for everything. So it goes through all these different things. And then it says this, Yet yeah, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has p- planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end.
2: Yeah. Great verse. I was right, actually. Someone did say that. Someone once. did. That someone apparently was Solomon. Solomon. And ultimately, that's yeah. God's word. So, so we God's know that's
0: like there's an activity under heaven, time to be born, time to die, time to plant, you know, all those things. But I, I love it. And it's, it's a great question. Um, and he does start with, we don't have this context, but I assume from... My context clues in the reading. You know, he's, he's a Jew who grew up obeying God's law and obeying um, the word of, of God in certain capacity. We'll get there in a second. Um, so, eternity and life with God and life forever was part of his framework growing up. And he was going, Hey, what, what good deed do I got to do? What, like you guys are talking about, what thing? Right, and I love Jesus's response. Like, why do you why do you ask me about what is good? Yeah,
2: before we go there, because okay. I'm intrigued by that too. Um, d- just to be clear, I think this guy's coming from a sincere heart. It, it'd be real easy as we get through this story, you know, it'd be real easy to just kind of, you know, diss the guy and just like, yeah, he missed it. He's, you know, no, he's he's actually he's apparently been very sincere and tried really hard to do right and to live right. Uh, um, Jesus doesn't take any issue with the with his claim that. He's obeyed all those commandments and, and whatnot, um, and his question is sincere. Unlike the Pharisees, who often were asking questions just to trick them, and I mean, they weren't coming from a sincere heart at all, but this guy is. And then to your point, uh, Jesus doesn't actually start by answering his question. He takes uh, issue with the word that the guy used, what good deed. Why do you ask me about what is good? He replied, there's only one who is good. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: Yeah, cuz the guys coming from a, a, a good as a work as a morality thing and then Jesus goes, "Oh, no, we're not talking about just a work thing. We're talking about character, the essence, and there's only one that is good." But then he does so he's, you know, so he's making that distinction as this guy's coming from "Give me another to do on the list and I'll check it off." Um But he's going, no, the essence of God is there's a goodness to God. And compared to God, none of us are good. There's no one that's good. You know, it's it's the same. You can put a lot of different things when you talk about the character of God. Are you a loving person, Craig, Kyle, myself? Like, sure. Okay, but if we're going to compare ourselves to the one who is love, none of us are love because it's such a vast difference between the two of us. Right. God and humans. Right. But then he does say... Uh, okay, here's the thing. If you you want to do something, obey all all the commandments, right? So he does respond, I think, to the guy's question, like, what must I do to get eternal life? And he starts down this trail of, okay, do, do the commandments. Well, which one? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, there's a lot. You know, if he has that Jewish framework, there's hundreds and hundreds. There's over 600 of them. So can you be more specific so I can really ace the test here? What's on the quiz on Friday? Is it multiple choice? Is there ten
1: questions? Give me the, the study sheet. We used to have a professor in Bible college who'd say, "Study from general to specific," and he would always say that for the test. Like, "Hey, well, yeah, what do we need? From general to specific." That's how he told us to study for a test. All the like, content- could you be any more vague, dude? Like, come on. Uh, but even before that, Scott, I like, like backing up in that, I think you need to be careful as you read Jesus's words and understand what he's saying, because even here, talking about religion and religious ideas, it's easy to read what Jesus is saying and say, or just that first part, and go, okay, so Jesus says in order to receive eternal life, you just have to do the right things. You have to obey the rules. And there's do's and don'ts, and then that's how you're right with God. And, and you know, just reading that, like, oh, that there's his answer to the question, right? And so, like, the, the, that these laws are viewed as, like, this automatic entry into eternal life. Um, but Jesus really is using the, the idea of goodness and the idea of, of this answer as a pointer to who really is good, which is why he backs it up to, like, why are you asking me who's good? The only one who's good is God. And, and I
2: think the, the reason he answers the way that he does, to your earlier point, Scott, I think this is a further indication that this man is a Jewish man because the commandments are given to the Jews. They weren't given to Gentiles. But at any rate, um, they're still under the law at this point. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't paid the price for sin. He hasn't risen from the dead. The age of grace has not been instituted. The new covenant has not been instituted yet. And so the covenant that's in force is the law. Mm -hmm. Keep the commandments, and you'll get eternal life. problem with that, as Paul points out in Romans and particularly in Galatians, nobody was ever able to successfully do that.
0: Yeah, including this guy. Because Jesus goes through murder, stealing, adultery, false testimony, honoring father father, mother, love your neighbor. He goes check, check and check. what still do I lack? which I think is a curious question. We don't know the guy's heart and the psychology, but Jesus went through that and does he is he self- aware knowing he's lacking something? Is this in response to maybe one of Jesus's teachings and Jesus taught about a, a bunch of different things and he's going. Uh, self-evaluation mode, He's going, I'm not quite meeting up to the standard, you know. Has he heard some of the teachings, like the Beatitudes, where it said, you've heard this, like, don't murder, but then if you have hatred in your heart against you your brother, he's like, oh. Yeah, so his his claim to have
2: obeyed all the commandments is really, uh, w- when looked at against the backdrop of those teachings, those statements that Jesus makes as he elaborates on the, the spirit of the law, not just the letter of the law. This guy, like everybody else, falls woefully short. Yeah,
0: and he's aware of it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really what Jesus is doing, is elevating the discussion beyond just legalism and do's and don'ts and really uh, understanding the devoted to the character of who God is, right? It's what he did when he said, you know, if you want to follow me, you got to hate your mother and father. And, and Jesus really, those things, the Beatitudes, these things that Jesus is constantly using this hyperbolic language to get people to understand, hey, following him is, is about... Just that, following him and listening to and learning and uh, coming underneath his tutelage and his teaching and being like him. And so, again, he's elevating this understanding in this guy. It's it's a come-follow-me type relationship, which is understanding the character of God.
2: On that point, I want to circle back to the uh, issue of what is good or who is good. I, I, I think um, part of what Jesus is doing here is... Um, when he says, there's only one who is good, he, he's getting at something that the Jewish people understood. Only God is good. God is the one who is good. Only God can forgive sin. I mean, that, that was taught them, and, he, and it was really drilled into them. And so, so Jesus is, I think, when he's speaking to a Jewish man with that kind of culture and background, he's saying basically, hey, you're talking to me, and I am God. He doesn't elaborate, doesn't say all that. Pointedly, but he basically is saying, think about who you're asking. Because it would be common for rabbis, you know, to have a following and their followers would, would ask them questions. And he this man, and we don't know for sure, but he may just be thinking, well, I'm asking a, a good teacher. This is a guy with a good reputation. A lot of people think he's pretty awesome, so I'm gonna ask him. He may not realize that this is the Messiah, he may, but um, to your point, he's, what Jesus is gonna say is so you want eternal life? Then come follow me.
0: He obviously knew Jesus had something more going on than others because he's, he's asking. Right. He's going, you have answers to the life's, life's biggest questions that other teachers don't have. Right. And the way you present the power, the, your presence, and not, not just your information, but that as well. You got something going on that others don't. And when he asked this, like, uh, what do I still lack? Jesus had not said, do not covet. And so... He hasn't said that. He yet. hasn't said that because that's the guy's issue. It so is. to the letter of the law, when the guy goes, oh, yeah, all the commandments, check, check, and check. Jesus goes, okay, how about you go, if you want to nail it, go sell all your possessions, give to the poor, exercise generosity, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. That's what it means to follow me. You actually do, like Kyle, what you were saying, yeah. do the things, the way of Jesus, the way of God and he couldn't handle that cuz the he had a desire to own and possess things in his heart that was deeper than his desire for God and he had a covetousness something there what's the what's the right word there on that but uh it was like front
1: and center there In other words, he didn't,
2: he didn't just have possessions. His possessions had him.
1: Yeah, yeah, there but was even, a, even was more than that, them. I think to simplify it, because I think we look at it and like, okay, well, so if we extrapolate this conversation into what it looks like for us, we go, oh, to follow Jesus means to be, you know, you have to give so much to charity or do these things or sell everything. You can't have worldly possessions. And there's been people who have, you know, unjustly like made this more of a, like, step-by-step institution of how you're supposed to follow Jesus. Jesus is getting to, again, to my point, the super simple. Like, hey, if you want eternal life, you actually follow me. So that that means you live like I live and you do what I do and, you know, nothing gets in the way of that. You hate your father and mother in comparison. Like, you, we. I don't have a place to lay my head. Like, you don't have these things that are in the way of that. And Jesus knew for this guy that was what he owned and what he had and the 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 wealth that he had acquired and the things that he had done not that that is bad but that will keep you from following me is what jesus is saying to this man like you what you have has you like you would never think if you had a choice a fork in the road all my stuff or living like jesus right well i gotta lose my stuff jesus is pointing out like that's an issue because it's actually keeping you from following me
0: um. You have to give everything to follow Jesus. That's that's the ask: is to give, deny yourself, to give everything. Now, whether you literally have to give everything, you have to not hold it in your heart as, well, I would never, or I could never. If God asked me, I wouldn't ever. Like you're holding you're holding that back. Like whether it's a resource, a possession, a time. You know the old, and I, I get tired of it, the old like missionary thing. Like pick pick the worst spot on the planet that you would hate to live in because you know creature comforts, and then then you go. I would I I could do anything for God, but unless you know, don't ask me to do to move there and I tell people. I would
1: do anything for God, but I won't do that.
0: No a little <laughs> meatloaf. No. You'd- yes, Bro. but that I didn't catch you. <laughs> Your meatloaf impression yeah. was it. It has a lot more like, I wanna do that, (laughs) a little more like that. Anyways, but Peter says that down in verse 27, he goes, we have left everything. Like, I think he's literally looking around going, we left home, we left jobs, we left family. It's in contrast. I mean, remember
1: the parable he told in in 13, uh, 1344? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then with his joy, he went and sold everything that he had to buy that field. Yeah. Like, that's the contrast that Jesus is like. That's what it means. Like, when you understand who Jesus is and what Jesus calls of you and following him, everything pales in comparison. I hope so. Everything is like filthy rags, right? Like, this is... And so he's like... When you really get that, like this parable, the, the man sold everything. He was like, this is the real deal. This is eternity. This is this is king, the heaven on earth, Jesus here, whatever it takes. And so Jesus is contrasting that with this guy who goes, oh, man, but I like what I got. Yeah. And that holding that above who Jesus is and what Jesus calls him to.
0: Mark records this little note that Matthew doesn't is when Jesus is asking this guy and kind of sticking it to him like, he goes, he goes, and he loved him. Like Jesus responded to him and loved him. And I love how Mark adds that, not that it needs to be added, because the one who is love is always loving, but it's a great reminder. And as we're approaching our relationship with God and the things that God is asking of us or maybe requiring of us to let go in our heart or literally let go of, that it's not because it's not he hates us or wants bad for us. It's because he loves us. And he knows how we're built and how we're designed to be connected to God. And so that we would let go of these things that can distract us from
1: experiencing the full life that he offers because he loves us. Exactly. I, I love this. I read this commentary this week. I love what this commentary said about uh, just the response to the guy. He said this, uh, that the the man's response, the wealthy man, his response to Jesus's proposal reveals that he wanted from him only some reassurance that would allow him to live out his days comfortable in the knowledge that eternal life had been added to all the other many goods that he had had. Again, yeah. He just wanted Jesus' answer, like, hey, what do I got to do to get eternal life just to add to all the other things that I've done really well to achieve in life? I just need that eternal life reassurance, too, so what do I got to do? How much like does like it cost?" like he's collecting cars yep. in the garage. How much does it cost? What do I got to do just to add to everything else that I've accomplished? And Jesus flips the script like he always does and goes... It's absolutely not about you, it's about me, mm-hmm. and follow me.
2: So then he turns to the disciples and seizes the opportunity to have a teaching moment, um, which he's, he does regularly, routinely. I tell you the truth, guys, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astounded then. Who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus is making a point about... Um, the I think his point, generally speaking, is the more you have to lose, the harder it is going to be for you to sell out to following Jesus. To your point, Kyle, when, you know, I've had a few times in my life where I, I felt like I had very little left to lose. It wasn't actually true. But you get to a place where circumstantially you start feeling like that. It's like, well, what else do I have to lose? It's just and and maybe some of our listeners are in that space right now. It's it's. Those are difficult times, but it's easier to say yes to Jesus and mean it 110 percent than it is for a rich man who has a lot to lose. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, broke college student or young adult age, you know, you got nothing going on. You're like, follow Jesus. You're like, sure, I yep. got, I got no nothing else really tying me down, or no, no real perceived risk. Like, lose a lose a house, lose a job, lose you know, a family. family. You got yep. kids, you got responsibility. Just feels like there's more to, to give up. And sometimes I feel like there is, but Jesus's point is, is to be a follower. You literally are doing things. There is, there is a wave-ish, I think, in America right now where it's, there's some non-practicing followers, non-practicing Christians. And you hear that, I think, with a lot of other, whether it's Catholicism or, or some other uh, religions where they're like belief but not practicing and my brain just always hurts when that phrase comes comes up because I'm like, you can't, you can't be a non-practicing, but then, you are one. That's why it's not I, a,
1: it's, I just don't even like again, and I've said this on the podcast and publicly, like the, not that I don't like it, but the misnomer and the misconception about what the word Christian means. Like yeah, again, I'm not. Yes. a pra- That's why I I I tell people I'm a Christ follower. You can't be a non-practicing Christ follower. You're either following or you're not. Right. So it's like and and not that I'm perfect and not that any follower of of Jesus is actually 100 percent following him. But to go like, oh, I'm pointing my life in this direction to follow Jesus. It's not about a set of rules or beliefs or doctrine or church or thing. It's about I like legitimately want to posture my life in a place that follows that he is my rabbi, that I I follow him, that I'm his disciple. I'm learning from him and living like him. Um, Yeah. Oh, I'm a Christian means what? Oh, I believe in, you know. I'm a monotheist, and you know, like whatever it is, like no, nah, it's I, because that's all jumbled in what people mean in that. It's like no, nah, I follow the way. I follow the way of Jesus. That's what it means. Not it's not like oh yeah, well, my grandma took me to Catholic church, so I'm I believe in those things, but I'm non-practicing, which means I don't do the things and the sacraments, and the, it's all just nonsense. Mm-hmm.
2: And then Jesus looks at them intently. Mm. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Matthew provides that You know some,
0: G- some Jesus eyes coming your way?
2: You, you ever have that, that sense of uh, feeling sometimes and you're with somebody and you feel like they're looking right into your soul or they're looking right, right through you? And I, can you imagine what this, I mean...
0: Jesus factor on that?
2: Hit, oh my off my the charts. What is, I mean, he's, it would be one thing just for him to look at you every day, right? They're spending three years with him. But here it says he looked at them intently. I get the impression that he stopped, he paused... And he, and he looked at him. He wasn't blinking. <clears throat> he says, Are you listening to what I'm going to say next?
0: Yeah. To get it seared in their heart and in their soul, like foundational. Because this is foundational.
2: And then he says, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. What is impossible for anybody to be saved? But with God, everything is possible. And I think what, what he's um, clearly referring to is the fact that, that the new birth, that the that salvation is a miracle. Mm-hmm. It is the greatest miracle. Um, you know, if, by definition, a miracle is something that is impossible, at least from a human standpoint, but it happens, that's a miracle. And it's impossible for any of us to get saved, and yet we do get saved. It is the work of God's Spirit in us to, to give us even the desire to want to know Him and to want to follow Him. And that that work of grace, that's a miracle. It's the biggest miracle of all. In fact, Jesus, when he sent the disciples out and they came back and they were all excited because they were casting out demons and healing people, and I mean, it was just like, it was cool. It was, it was an adventure for them, and they're all excited about it, and understandably so. But Jesus said, don't, don't get excited about that, guys. Be excited about this, that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life.
1: Yeah, and I think what we've seen Jesus do over the last few chapters, specifically in Matthew, is to a Jewish audience kind of raise the bar of their understanding of salvation, right, not lower it. We like to think like, oh, Jesus came and said it's not about the law, and so he lowered the bar. No, he raised it. He made it more simple and love your neighbor as yourself, but he raised the bar. It's like it's not just about walk this way and do these things and take these steps and know the the rule book. It's about loving people the way I have loved you, sacrificially and, you know, like, he's raising the bar of what it looks like, the Beatitudes. Like he said, Scott, he's like, boom, I mean, it's, this is gnarly. And so to look at that would be like, bro, that's impossible. You're asking me to love people with the sacrificial love from heaven? You're asking me to give of myself? You're asking me to do all these things? That's impossible. And she's like, yeah, you're right, humanly speaking. But with God, all things are possible that I'm enabling you and creating you to be able to do this, to live and love like I have loved and show you my example to this salvation experience that you're talking about, Craig. With God, it's possible, and I'm going to show you the way and equip you and enable you to be able to experience this and to live the law of love, the new law that I'm showing you and and, and living out in you and uh, with God. That stuff is possible.
0: In our community group, we're, we're going through Romans, and so it's just bringing up, the same topic is how are you made right with God? Like justification, and it's not based on, on your morality, and it's not based on your, your heritage. You know, it's the first couple chapters, like, oh, those non-God-fearing people, they're, they're doomed because look at how they're living. And then Paul gets after, well, you Jews who think you got it made just because you're born a Jew and you're circumcised, that's, you're banking on that for salvation and restoration and rightness with God? It's not about that. It's about life changing in the in the heart from the Holy Spirit and salvation through grace alone, Craig, as you alluded to earlier, with like a litany of great theological terms. Like at the beginning, I was like, Woof, <laughs> that's a that's a list. But that's what Jesus is saying here is foundational. And this promise that with God all things are possible is for salvation. And it's one of those terms that's widely known, uh used. Um I think sometimes misused because you're like you know with man it's not possible with God it's possible and we we apply the promise of God to something that God's not promising. So so as followers of Jesus we got to be careful that that what we're banking on God to do and to come through with is the actual promise he made. Salvation we we can stand on that as a firm mm-hmm. foundation that yes. Absolutely. Morality is going to get you there right with God? Nope. We're going to live from the grace of God, not live for it. And that yep. is the distinction that Jesus makes throughout all of Scripture. Is like, because you're my followers, you do the things. Right. You don't do the things to become my follower and get approval and acceptance. Exactly. We live from the cross and the resurrection. We don't live to hopefully make it to eternity one day. And that's where you look at all the other Nirvana, Euphoria, you know, afterlife reincarnation. You're trying to do all this stuff, and hopefully you'll make it one day.
2: Yeah. You know, in, in Romans, to continue that line of thinking, go to chapter 4, and uh, Paul uses uh, Abraham as the mm-hmm. ultimate example yeah. of what he's talking about. And he said, you know, what? how did Abraham get justified? How was he saved? How, how did he come into right relationship with God? And, and Paul points out the fact that all he did was believe God. God said, I'm going to give you as many descendants as the stars of the heaven stand on the seashore, and he believed that, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. It's like that just flies in the face of of so many i mean the the pride of of man, you know for us as human beings, we want to have earned something, we want to have done something to accomplish, and Abraham did zero except believe that God might actually be able to do what he promised he would do. Mm-hmm. And it was righteousness
0: for yep. him. Before he could do anything for God. Exactly. God said, I choose you, and here's the promise, and I'm going to come through because God made the promise.
2: Yep. And this is 600 years, give or take, before the law was even given. So it's always been yeah. by faith.
0: And I've I've misused this, God, you know, with God all things are possible. Uh when I was in college, I was working at a church doing youth ministry and young adult stuff. And it was uh, across the Puget Sound. So we caught a ferry a lot, a lot of ferry rides. And Tuesday nights we do youth and then go back to college. And so there was, there was a 9, was it a 920, 915 ferry, something like that. If you missed that one, they skipped a boat because it was getting later in the evening. And so you had an hour and a half between. So if you missed that boat... Then you're getting home. It takes you like three hours to get home. It was absurd. So we would be booking it after. My buddy Mario and and Josh and Richie and Brandon, there's a bunch of people at times, and we would be speeding through across Bainbridge Island (laughs) trying to catch this ferry. And there was a song at the time. I think it was a Hillsong song, song you might know.
1: Nothing is impossible. I don't know. But it was like, all things are possible.
0: Something like that. So you... Would
2: sing that as oh, you're speeding down the yes, road.
0: Yes, <laughs> we would just be
2: proclaiming
0: the truth of God as we're driving fast. Because you and there'll be times like the gate is coming down to like stop driving. We'd be sliding under there and like hold the ferry, we're coming on. Because if you missed that, it was just a long, long night. So we're just we're singing that and declaring that truth that like we're gonna we're gonna make it. Um, and I get it, but you know, I'm not saying we can't say that. I'm just saying how we're applying that with the right. other truths about who God is and his promises throughout all of scripture. He's our provider. You betcha. I'm going to bank on that because that's who he is. Um, So it's just one of those things. Sometimes it's like, I can't, can't, you know, my dream, whatever it is, like, well, is that a God-given dream or is that just something you're making up and you're like, but with God it's possible and I'm just going to tell God he's going to do it. There's a tension there to be managed. There there is. The, The
2: principle certainly does apply. And Jesus, in fact, in the gospels, makes the same kind of statement in other contexts. Here, it's about salvation for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's the ultimate application of that truth. But the truth is broader than just the salvation uh, application. Um, and, and so there is, there is a legitimate biblical basis for uh, taking a stand of faith, believing God for something greater or more or different than whatever the current circumstance is. But you're right. There is a limit to that. I mean, we can't just say, well, I'm going to believe God for that, you know, uh, that 5 million dollar yacht with a whole crew to take care of it for me and all the funds that I would need to because I saw one of those on the cruise and I thought there's a life right there <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> yeah I'll take one of those parked at the with, with the, Craig not possible <laughs> with God all <laughs> with, things possible let's exactly. sing it wave but your finger I let's go I think the
1: bigger point and we've talked about this on the podcast a lot I I've been dealing with it this week in the opposite right I I heard somebody make a comment based off 1st Corinthians 14 that Men can't have long hair, it's sinful. And if you read First Corinthians fourteen, you right, it's like women have to have their heads covered when they pray, and men have to have their heads uncovered when they pray in this formal context that Paul's writing to. And, and men are disgraced if they have long hair, right? Legit, you yeah. First Corinthians fourteen, look at it. Up. No, that has come up this week. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I know oh, legit, yeah. it's in the Bible. <laughs> really, <Is> that in <laughs> it? you got after me? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just some context, right? And and uh. This idea that, like, what is this saying? I, I think it's very, again, a religiousness of, like, here's what the Bible says, and you can't do this, you can't do this, and we make all these things. We've talked a lot about it and understanding the context of how these things are said, the words of Jesus, why is Paul writing these things, who is he talking to, what's, what's happening? And I think it's really dangerous, as we read through Scripture, just to be like, oh, well, the Bible says... Yeah. We, Men can't have long hair. Yeah, we gotta rightly apply yeah. the truth of and God and understand the context of, and yeah. that's why we've been talking through Matthew specifically, and like, why does he say some of the things he says the way that he does in the gospel accounts to the audience that he does and records Jesus' thing? Why did he not say the love part? Like, I mean, it's really important to dive deeper into this and understand and ask questions and really look to the the, the theme of of what we're reading instead of just pick and choose.
0: Yeah. All that kind and, of stuff. And take Jesus out of context and not have a fuller understanding. So that's why hopefully you're listening to the podcast because you're like, yeah, I want to make sure I'm I'm diving in and, and knowing things fully and not just stopping halfway through or getting incomplete. Or sometimes it shows up in our world and our culture in different ways, um, you know, this self-righteousness or religiousness. And then it, it can be kind of tricky because you're like, wait, that kind of looks like Jesus or sounds really good or came from someone I really trust, but let me... Let me check that against the scriptures. So that's why we got got awesome listeners who are tuned in and uh, really are keen about following Jesus and not just doing it, you know, halfway.
2: Before we wrap up chapter 19, um, to Peter's question, he says, you know, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? And it's the, you know, it's the basic, one of the basic questions of human nature. What's in it for me?
0: Eternal life.
2: E- eternal life, of course.
0: <laughs> what else do you need?
2: But Jesus goes on and says, And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children, property for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life.
0: Yeah. So but God just asks us to give up everything, and then he'll just ten 100 yep. exit back. Yep. So. Exactly. I mean, if you want think to think real technical, it's a pretty good trade, you know. So. Yeah, there's a fullness to life that Jesus offers. And, um, you know, we, Romans 3 is one of those verses that, again, halfway through, you can't stop. Kyle, Kyle's heard this. I made up a rule, so, Craig, you're in on this rule. Not
1: everyone God listening. just makes up rules, and you have to listen to me You have yeah. to pay them. Okay. Well, okay. we say,
0: for, for, we talk about, like, eternal life and salvation and being right with Jesus. For all of sin falls short of the glory of God. That's a really common verse. A lot of people have heard that, said that. It's like... And the rest of the sentence? Now, do you know you know the rest of the sentence, right? But the gift of God?
2: Is that the verse you're no. quoting? And our,
0: no, like verse twenty four. And our Uh-oh. and are uh, for all of sin to fall short of the glory of God is verse twenty three, twenty-four, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Gotcha. And, and like it's like here's just the good news and but like it's always you gotta you gotta say both of them together. You can't stop Paul in the middle of a sentence, is is my rule. So yeah, Kyle. Scott's rule. Uh, I like I like my rules. So, anyways,
1: it's a good rule, Scott. I <laughs> disagree. <laughs> if, if he I, don't have to, I don't have to follow Scott's rules. Luckily, I'm not bad. By, by the way, the just in your
2: defense, Kyle, there is a time when Jesus stopped in the middle of a verse, <laughs> Matthew chapter uh, four, I think it is, when he shows up in the temple and he takes the scroll of Isaiah. And he reads, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and so on and so forth. And he reads down through it, and he stops in the middle of a verse, in the middle of a thought, actually, because the next thing that he would read was not going to be fulfilled in his first appearance on earth, but in his second coming.
1: I just think contextually that when you're helping people understand, like, hey, nobody's perfect, this is what Paul said about it in here. And then he goes on to talk about that the wages of those sin equals death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So then we understand the freedom that we have in Jesus' death. Go through that.
0: I just yeah. want people to know that, like, we're justified by Christ. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. We can we it can is. accept His gift of salvation because uh, we can't earn it. That's what Jesus is saying. We can't earn our way. We gotta believe and uh, trust in His grace. So, all the people who are watching on YouTube watch your reaction, and people listen to podcasts <laughs> just heard a pause, but you just mm, the face and the, uh, there's a the whole thing. Good self control there. What a restraint. Yeah. And for you keen listeners that have listened all the way to the end, you should come up and
1: tell Kyle when you see him next, he should cut his hair, because as you are talking about long hair, long.
0: it's a little long in the back,
1: you know? My wife was dead this weekend, basically. She was very sick, and she's my hairdresser. Okay. So yeah, it's getting a little... It is very long. I need a, I I need a haircut. First Corinthians 14, man. It's I a little it's long a dis- down there. Uh, 11, 14. I, I misquoted. It. It's not chapter 14. It's... Eleven. If you want to look at it, isn't it disgraceful for men to have long hair? So I'm a disgrace. So, you guys, if you're a keen listener, come up to Kyle. Send him a text. Tell him like. I'm a disgrace. Those
0: are those for people listening all the way to the end. So, anyways, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, have a great week. Being the light and love of Jesus in your community, and we'll catch you on the next episode.